Good morning, everybody. Andrew Perry here from The Daily Reel. Thank you very much to, uh, for tuning in this morning. I've got a very special guest. Today I've got Alex Brown, a uh, serial entrepreneur. You might recognize him uh, from some of the, the Beard Club videos. Uh, and now Alex spends the majority of his time helping other entrepreneurs uh, reach a level of success that you know I could only dream of. Alex, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's awesome after all these years of, of knowing one another to finally be in the same room, now live on the internet. Yes, I know, because we're actually from the same town, Alex and I. Uh, grew up in uh, Barrie, Ontario, and that's when we first uh, met. I think you were, what was it, were you working at Kensington's or was it the mansion? I can't remember. It was Sound Empire. So Sound Empire, that's right. Glorious job of bartending, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, wasn't necessarily the best career move, but made some good cash, made some good friends and some yeah. good connections, so. Absolutely. That's the funny thing about, you know, networking um, is that s sometimes it happens so passively that you don't recognize it's happening. And then five, ten years later, you're sitting across the table <laughs> from one another. So um, the, the first time I met you, uh, we kind of talked about this before we went live. The first time I met Alex, because um, I added you to Facebook. I knew we had a lot of mutual friends. I didn't know a whole lot about you. And um, I, I, I think I came into Sound Empire and we were talking and I'm like, you were telling me that you're going to what Malaysia? Where was Malaysia, it? Malaysia yeah. for an entrepreneur conference. And at this time, I was still a bartender uh, in a, in Stovall, Ontario. So I didn't really know what that meant. Is that kind of where this whole journey began for you? Yeah, I mean, so I, I went to college, university for business, and I actually didn't want to be an entrepreneur, which is kind of the the funny part about this. I right. my, I saw my dad had his own business and and was working his his tail off all the time. And I thought, well, I'll go to college and I'll get an amazing job as soon as I graduate because the world owes me something. Right. And, uh, you know, get paid half a million dollars a year <laughs> and it'll be really glorious. Um, and I graduated um, kind of the height of the, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009. So really there, was, there were no jobs, right? So right. I was like, yeah. well, this kind of sucks. I, I got sold on a dream which really didn't exist and wanted to play the blame game. You know, it's the system's fault. And, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it really just... Um, a product of a system that couldn't keep up, right? And there's no blame to place. And instead of taking accountability and going, well, I have, I don't really have any skills that would set me apart from anybody else. I was like, well, I was, you know, at the top of my class and I tried so hard. So I got frustrated at that. And when I graduated, I fortunately like, you know, lived many lives. And one was uh, working with my father and then sort of subcontracting for his business, doing stonework and, and masonry stuff and landscaping. So I went back to that because it was good cash. And I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do more than that. So I started just kind of like blogging and writing on the side and like, yeah. you know, this sucks, this whole college thing, this was a scam. And I was really quite upset at the time, uh, rather immaturely as I have been at many times in my life. <laughs> um, and started to like talk about, you know, what the solutions for that were for like graduate employment and underemployment at this, at this point and started to do some like volunteer work with organizations like Startup Canada. Yeah. Um, and I kind of saw entrepreneurship as kind of a way forward. Well, if, you know, if I can't get a job, then I have to make one and, you know, more right. and more Absolutely. people. And this is before entrepreneurship was cool. Yeah. You know, before, before Gary Vee. Before Gary Vee. And <laughs> yeah. like, you know, as he says, like, everyone used to want to be like an athlete or a rapper and now yeah. all the athletes and rappers want to be entrepreneurs, right? So, um, but you know, so I just sort of saw that as a way forward and started volunteering with different organizations and was just got to be able to be at meetings with the Ontario government where they were talking about what do we do about this graduate unemployment, underemployment problem. Wow. And so then I got nominated by Startup Canada to go to this conference, which was, uh, it was from 
kids from 112 countries under the age of 26 or 27 uh, all going to Malaysia and doing like a big startup weekend thing. So right. I was trying to solve the world's problems with all these different minds from all these different. This is a really long answer to your question, but that's no, kind no, of the path that, that led to that was just like being frustrated and starting to talk about it and figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And then that just kind of opened up a doorway to go to this crazy conference. And that really opened my mind to like, hey, you know, maybe I'm onto something or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you put your head down and instead of complaining, you go and do some stuff. Getting and, and some actual work done. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're not getting paid. You're building something. You're building skills. You're building a profile. And uh, personal branding, I think, was still sort of relatively new at this point. Yeah. Uh, it was like seven, eight years ago where now it's a lot easier to do a lot of the things. Um, but, like, I mean, social media wasn't really even that huge then. So Right. So, okay. And then, so what was... So you got nominated to go to the... That's crazy, by the way. I didn't know that part of the story. I had no idea. I just, um, you know, thought... I just, I don't know, like, cause you, I didn't really know you all that well. Mm. And then the the next time I meet you, you've, you've started all these amazingly cool businesses. So I thought it was just like, you know, I don't know what I thought, but. Well, on the so, surface level, I was a bit of a party animal too. I, I Working at the bars, yeah, I, I just love to let loose and have fun and hang out. And that was a part of my identity as well. So right. living this double life of like, you know, having fun and partying all the time, but like wanting to do more and be more and see what else was mm-hmm. out there. But I, you, you know what, and that was kind of my situation too, um, is that I was living this party socialite atmosphere, which is very easy to get caught up when you live in a town with like 10 bars all on one strip, you know, and you know everybody. But so back to Malaysia, so what do you think was the biggest takeaway from that event that helped you kind of launch your career? Was it, you know, maybe the networking, maybe the different side of entrepreneurship that you were, you were witnessing? Um, to be honest, I think uh, I think it was a lot of validation that I could do something noteworthy or right. that like I could be more. Um, and not that like it's realistic to think that everybody can get a trip to Malaysia to get that validation, but not everybody needs the same kind of validation I did. I've True. always been like Absolutely. pretty self-conscious and um, you know historically really hard on myself and still am in, in many ways. But that experience was like kind of eye-opening and like, oh, cool, like, you know, you can do more than just mm-hmm. serve drinks. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I actually Absolutely, got the no. opportunity to, uh, and I was really upset that I couldn't to uh, to serve at like a concert coming up. I was like, man, that'd be actually so fun. I want to do that again. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just, I guess like the main, looking in a mirror and saying, you're good enough to do this, which I think we all need at some point in whatever form that comes is like, hey, you are good enough to, this is a checkpoint. You're, you're seeing yourself at this checkpoint mm-hmm. and saying, cool, now I can go to the next one and have the mm-hmm. confidence to do so. Yeah, I think that's, I think we were talking uh, with Jeremy Poole last episode and a biggest uh, part of an entrepreneur's journey or, you know, part of uh, anybody's journey where why they won't succeed or why they do is just comes down to fear. And essentially it, it's hard when you lack the confidence based on, you know, the history that you've had, you know, going to school and maybe failing or maybe, you know, serving drinks. And it was the fear that, you thought you had to go to college or thought you had to do certain things in order to become successful. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think for me, as I retrace the steps, looking backward, um, you know, I don't want to go back to the system and blame it on that, but just like the pattern of my life was like, you know, at the end of, at the end of elementary school, there's high school, at the end of yeah. high school, then there's college. 
at the end of college, they're supposed to be this job. And then when that, when that right. didn't happen or when all of a sudden you go into the real world and you wow. find out that, in fact, there isn't this continual structured path for you, you then have to start to navigate that yourself. Um, it's pretty intimidating because you're used to being told, mm. here's the path and here's what you do. And you're picking this, you know, sort of in your mind, this like laser yeah. guidance of where you're going. And for many people that that remains true, you know, you know, if you're going into if you're going to be a doctor or a nurse or a paramedic or different things like that, where you're, you're very like focused on what you want to do, your education often leads you on that path. But even from there, you can then specialize in different things, right? right? So when you're not really equipped to be, you know, to have to make your own choices, it's kind of a weird thing to stumble into and go like, oh, I get to decide what's next. And yeah. I don't know what that is. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to know all the answers all the time. Yeah. Honestly, I've never, you just gave me a great little visual. But at the same time, I, it kind of scared me because I never thought about it like that. But I'm sure a lot of people think about, okay, well, yeah, first you go to school, then you go to a higher level of learning, and then after that you have to either be specialized in something, find a job, pay back all the debt, or figure so something else out. Like, I mean, I went to university, left after a couple of months. Uh, it just wasn't for me. Also, my band was going on tour, looking up flatline endings from back in the day. Um, but, uh, but when I, you know, finally gathered my life back again after that, went to college for business sports management and with, with the theme around golf courses, but I never went back to ever work for a golf course ever again. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's comes down to exactly what you were talking about, where a lot of people struggle where with, you know, well, somebody's not telling me what to do anymore. Now I got to make those decisions for myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think something that's been, uh, an ongoing you know, struggle or characteristic of my life, and I think is true for many people, is that I've been very destination focused mm -hmm. and like objective focused, which is good. You should always have, you know, goals, but not having an appreciation for like, you know, the journey and like yeah. the patience required to get there and also being open to the new opportunities along the way, I, I think has held me back yeah. and I know how holds a lot of people back. And I know I have friends that um, you know, have went to school or are going to school now that I feel like are doing it, um, and maybe this is just a projection, but, you know, are doing it because it represents another delay of that yeah. realization that we are in control of our life and there is no set path for us when we get to choose that. And whatever you choose is fine as a part of your journey. Right. I agree. And, and speaking of destinations, uh, I want to know about some of your trips and we'll talk about that when we come back. Are you retiring smart? Make your home's equity work for you. With your home's equity and our 30 years of experience, the Retire Smart Properties team can help you achieve the quality of life you've always wanted. Our services are 360 degrees. We'll give you advice, take care of staging and selling, and help you find the perfect home and community to transition to. It's time to enjoy the retirement lifestyle you deserve. Visit our website today to learn how you can use your home to retire comfortably. The Retire Smart Properties Team, powered by REMAX West. At Benjamin Law, we understand the real cost of personal injuries. As the victim of an accident, you may be the one who's physically hurt, but your main concern is that your family are the ones who will pay the price. Benjamin Law will be there for you, helping, supporting, and working tirelessly to resolve your personal injury case. Call 1-855-899-4878 or visit benjaminlaw.ca and let our family of lawyers help your family.
Okay, and we're back uh, with Alex Brown. Thank you very much for tuning back in with us, guys. I know those commercial breaks are extremely long. No, I'm just joking. Um, Alex, so after Malaysia, you got super motivated, super validated. You were finding out what, you know, you wanted to kind of do with your life. Maybe it didn't happen right after, but where did you go from there? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it was a little bit anticlimactic, but... Um you know, I'd love to say that the momentum just carried forward from there and everything was great. But, um, you know, I was still not making any money doing what I was doing, like volunteering and working with Startup Canada and that sort of path and, you know, blogging. And that was all great and providing opportunities. But um, it was just a long term play. And I got really impatient and I was like, well, I need money. So you know, started working, um, doing construction again, started contracting, started a company with a friend. And we were actually quite successful. We made lots of money. Uh, we we dissolved our partnership eventually, like on great terms, which is really rare for yeah. business partners to, to to close their business but make money and still be friends. Um, but it just wasn't. I knew it wasn't my path, and I wanted to do more. And yeah. um, sort of around the same time, just got uh, went to visit a friend in California, and he had just moved down there, um, helping his friend who just crowdfunded a product, which was a wearable product, and. Um, the three of us just, you know, had multiple discussions while I was down there visiting. And uh, the founder of the company, my former business partner, Chris, was just like, dude, like, we need someone with your skill set. I was just like, saw business in, in different levels. He's a very creative guy who worked really well together because, you know, he can pull sort of stuff out of the ethos and, and yeah. you know, be really super creative. And I'm sort of like a guy who can be like, cool, well, um, he, I love your idea. Here are the first <laughs> 10 steps that we should try and take to make this happen. And usually right. you get to step three and you're like, well, we got to match one and it's different. Um, but we worked well together because I could take an idea and start, just start to go with it. Right. So, yep. um, you know, I worked on getting a work visa and then just went down there and we started working on different e-commerce companies, different crowdfunding campaigns. We were just like trying to sell products basically. Right. And, um, it was sort of like, you know, just a lot of grinding, again, like not making any cash, uh, just trying to make these businesses work. Um, the first couple really didn't work. We would do a crowdfunding campaign, sell a bunch of product, and then eventually do whatever we could to fulfill those products and then figure out it wasn't a business we wanted to pursue. We had a golf product for a while, yep. uh, which was cool experience, got it into a bunch of stores, but it was just really capital intensive, wasn't a business we wanted to be in. And then to pay the bills, we were like, let's start an agency. We had uh, connections with all the right people for doing campaigns. So like videos and, and websites, prototyping and stuff. So we helped a couple other companies launch uh, their crowdfunding campaigns, product launch campaigns. Um, and money was tight. So we were airbnb our rooms and like often sleeping in the garage or sleeping yeah. in the backyard. Um, we had a, like a nice place in California. So fortunately, we could pay the rent doing Airbnb and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, and then we, we launched a product called uh, Coolbox, which was a smart yeah. tech toolbox. We did, uh, you probably saw that, we did a crowdfunding campaign yeah, for yeah. it. Um, and we, like, all these sort of stepping stones, like, we built up our experience and, like, you know, we weren't really doing anything noteworthy other than just, like, building a network and stuff. Mm -hmm. Coolbox was great because, you know, we had almost 500000 for our crowdfunding campaign. Um, you know, we hit a lot of press. We did a lot of things right. We also did most things wrong, uh, <laughs> which I've learned more from making a ton of mistakes than I have from you know, being in the right place at the right time. But um, 
that did really well. It landed uh, my business partner on Shark Tank for that. I was um, gonna say, I'm like, I, I think I saw that on Shark Tank. Yeah. yeah, and we got a ton of like, we got a ton of like media mentions. We were on Discovery Channel, like, so it was, it was cool to see the momentum of that carry forward, and we started to understand how like virality and momentum built in business. Yeah. Yeah. And it took it took us a long time to fulfill that product. It was like a really expensive product. And if you're listening and you ordered a cool box and it took us two years, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but it was very difficult. Um, we didn't raise enough money. We had to go raise more money from investors. And like the Shark Tank uh, experience, like that momentum, again, sort of built the company back up and allowed us to fulfill those units. And we eventually just decided that it wasn't for us and right. washed our hands of the situation. So we don't want to continue with the business. Uh, because at that time also, we'd launched uh, the Beard Club. Right. And it was this sort of like natural thing. And this has become like, you know, really so far in my life to date, like my calling card and the thing that everyone wants, wants to talk about, right. um, which is really cool because it's just been a fantastic experience. We launched this business as like a really authentic. Uh, we all had beards at this time throughout this whole process. I was talking about these last few businesses. <laughs> We're like getting into holistic health and being natural, yeah. not putting chemicals on our body, um, eating like super clean and healthy and working out. And trying to be these out of the, out of the box entrepreneurs, and so we like started getting into beard oil and essential oils and stuff, and it was all super expensive. So we're like, well, I don't want to pay that. Let's make our own. And we started to look at what was going on in the subscription space, um, what was going on. Um, like I had also like I skipped over this part, but I also did work in the pharmaceutical industry as like a business development consultant. I've oh, done wow. a lot of things. It's this is really random, but it came back and was really helpful because a lot of what I did was helping. Um, uh, companies find manufacturers, right? So I was able to then go and find manufacturers for our beard products. Um, we used all of our connections built from Coolbox to create this like viral snowball uh, for Beard Club. We launched it. We got a bunch of influencers behind it, and it just went absolutely postal. Went yeah. completely viral. Was all over everything: Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, uh, Yahoo. Um, and then all of a sudden, we had a high growth company on our hands and had yeah. no idea how to run a high growth e-commerce company. So. I'd like to say that's where the story was like, yeah, now he's a success. That's actually where the greatest failures became, like right. the, the, the hardest work. And on the surface, you know, we're hanging out with all these influencers and celebrities, and I'm posting pictures of how great my life is in California. Right. Yep. And then I'm going and working, you know, 14 hours and like pulling my hair out of my laptop at two in the morning, going like, how are we going to get these 3,000 orders that we don't have in our warehouse out to the yeah. customers who just bought them? Oh, Stuff wow. like that. Um, so. All of that was just an incredible experience. All great problems to have. Um, but that was sort of like, you know, what now like people talk about, they're like, oh, you're so successful and this is so cool. Like it was a wild ride and it still is a wild ride, but I don't I don't see it like that at, at all. Like I know we did some incredible things. We, we turned a lot of heads and our business has been really successful, but it's all been like earned through like serious mistakes and heartbreak right. and uh, a lot of great times, a lot of fun, a lot of victories, but... Um, yeah, I think like success is often over glorified. Right. No, you know? and absolutely, and, it, and especially for a, like businesses, like online businesses that are connected with such a huge, uh, you know, creative side to it. It's hard to keep that momentum going because you have to be consistently creative in your in your advertising, and especially when it's blown up so fast. I'm sure that you took when people say, "Oh, successful, successful," you maybe t make t tons of money hanging out with celebrities, but re in reality, you're investing all that money back into the business. Right. Yeah, I mean, in our first year, we cracked uh, ten million dollars in revenue for an e-commerce business. Our website was crappy. We didn't use like affiliates or joint venture deals, which yeah. is really popular in in uh, um, direct response marketing for things like supplements and skincare, like we had. Yeah. 
So we, we did that just with viral videos and, and building a brand yeah. and stuff. But just because the business brought in 10 million doesn't mean that like all of a sudden I'm a millionaire. You right. know? So yeah. like there, there's also that, uh, that sort of gap in people's minds where they're like, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're making millions. Like, Actually, you know, there's 12 partners in the company. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, you know, we have a cost of goods sold that's associated with selling a physical good. Naturally. Uh, we have a acquisition cost. So um, yeah, I mean, that said though, like the business has been really successful. It's done really well. And we've learned, like I've learned so much about business front to back and what it means to have a real business beyond just that top line revenue of, of $10 million. Like what actually goes into having a business that yeah. does 10 million and is successful and having a business that does 10 million is really just like, it's, it's nothing really. Mm -hmm. You're not actually pulling anything out of it. You're not creating yeah. a valuable company. Well, it, it's very relatable uh, in a sense to the way real estate works uh, in regards to teams where you know that sweet spot might be uh, three or four team members as opposed to having this unbelievably large team of like a hundred realtors working under one umbrella um, because on the surface yeah I've sold three four five hundred houses a year but the cost to attain all those leads is crazy crazy so you, you've got mm -hmm. huge huge teams that are spending a hundred to I've even heard as crazy as two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month just on marketing, mm -hmm. just on advertising, just on lead generation. And you know, you ask those guys what their bottom line is or what their take home is, sorry, and it's usually not as high as the guy who's got maybe one or two. Yeah. Uh, and it just goes into, you know, just the the cost of running something that large. Yeah. Right. Actually, I, I saw that in my, my dad when I was younger too, and I was always like, you know, why don't you take your business bigger? And he would never have more than one or two people working for him. And he's just like, cause I, like, I don't, it's not worth the headaches for me to make yeah. an extra 10 or 15 grand a year. It's like, I like going home when I like going home. And if the phones, you know, don't ring as much and we don't have as much work, I don't have to, you know, let someone go when they have a family yeah. to feed. It's like, this is just the way I want it. And I was like, I, I, I still didn't get it until years later as I learned more and more about patience. And mm -hmm. I just, when I was younger, I just wanted to make more money. I wanted to go, 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 go. And he was like, I'm I'm over that son. I'm at a different phase of life than you. So yeah, well, it's I mean it's it's I think about that a lot now. Where I'm, you know, I used to be that five a.m. five you know five a.m. till eight nine ten sleep with my phone kind of guy. And it's only been recently since my son has been around the three year old mark there that I want to kind of slow down a little bit, you know, because my parents live far away. They don't have time to, you know, spend all, all their life driving to to see him. Right. So sometimes it's it's good for me to bring him up and and take a couple of days off and kind of hang out with the entire family. But when we come back, we'll talk about where Alex went after the beard club. At Benjamin Law, we understand the real cost of personal injuries. As the victim of an accident, you may be the one who's physically hurt, but your main concern is that your family are the ones who will pay the price. Benjamin Law will be there for you, helping, supporting, and working tirelessly to resolve your personal injury case. Call 1-855-899-4878 or visit benjaminlaw.ca and let our family of lawyers help your family. At Benjamin Law, we understand the real cost of personal injuries. As the victim of an accident, you may be the one who's physically hurt, but your main concern 
is that your family are the ones who will pay the price. Benjamin Law will be there for you, helping, supporting, and working tirelessly to resolve your personal injury case. Call 1-855-899-4878 or visit BenjaminLaw.ca and let our family of lawyers help your family. Okay, guys, thanks uh, for coming back with us. Um, Alex, the Beard Club you were mentioning was an incredible experience for you, not only, um, you know, in terms of business, but, um, you know, it was kind of a life-changing moment for you because I saw you guys, what were you guys putting, you were in a hospital or you had IV bags or something like that? Like, it wasn't just, um, like, you had some sort of spiritual moments with the company, I think. Well, totally. So as as the business took off, um, we started to realize all of our shortcomings really and i think like self-awareness has usually been a pretty good uh, strength of mine and chris's and many of the people on our team so we started to hire people from silicon valley we also started to go to like sort of the world of high ticket masterminds and and just sort of like really tightly curated events with people in the internet marketing industry in e-commerce and stuff like that so we started to go to these events where there would be people who were doing the kind of numbers like 10 times more sales than we were doing maybe, right. but like no one knew who they were. There's sort of these ninjas and they mm -hmm. just quietly knew the right systems, the right people. And it was just sort of all these teams of amazing people that were fitting together and people that were just really obsessed with like human performance and athletic performance and just like expanding your mind yeah. and um, really just sort of broadening your horizons to what your full potential is. And so we started going to these events. Um, one of the more noteworthy ones called Baby Bathwater um, and I'm going to that in Croatia actually in a couple of weeks. So I'm wow. really excited for that. Um, but it's really just like high level entrepreneurs helping each other with their business, um, with no expectations. And often there's tons of deals that get signed. But so we started going to these events and then we got connected with all these amazing people and wanted to do an event of our own because as we would go there, we'd be like, Hey, you know, teach us more about direct response marketing, teach us yeah. more about this. And we would be able to share, like, here's what we've learned about building a brand, and here's how we make our videos, because we were making videos that would go, like, mental, viral yeah. for, you know, a couple grand, and they would bring in a million bucks in, like, revenue, just just really high-performing stuff. So we were sharing our secrets, and everybody wanted to learn about the videos. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, like, let's throw an event of our own. So yes. we decided, um, you know, Chris pulled me aside. He, when he gets these ideas, he's, I always sort of know they're coming. He's like, dude, we've got to talk about this. <laughs> Um, and sort of pitched me on the idea of doing the event. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. We um, rented a house in Hollywood Hills, which was like, it was like 35 grand a month. It was a serious palace, like 10,000 yeah. square foot, amazing house. And like, you know, we were going to monetize it through this event, obviously, and we were able to cover the rent on that, but it was like a huge risk, um, which scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And uh, which probably means it was a good thing to do. We had a ton of like little small dinners. We had like influencers over to the house. So it was, it was good for Beard Club and it was also good for this sort of new business or new idea we were spinning off of. We thought we were going to make a whole bunch of cash on it and sell a yeah. whole bunch of tickets. We ended up selling and, and working so hard on this event and giving it our all for like three months um, and actually lost money on it. Not a significant amount, but never made any money on it. Made a heck of a reputation though in the space. We threw an amazing event. People loved it. We were doing IV drips. It was a full spa, yeah. as much alcohol and amazing food as you could possibly drink. Um, and uh, it was just a really amazing event. It's really good for our network and building yeah. up like this position of influence for us. But we were just completely exhausted after that. We're like, 
yeah, we're not going to do this again. We mm-hmm. thought we'd do it again and break. We we could have you know broken even and started becoming profitable. We're like, this is not where. Yeah. We we also didn't like Hollywood. I mean, if you told me when I was like twenty years old that I'd be living in this like you know mansion Hollywood Hills and hanging out with celebrities and you know heroes and business and music and stuff yeah. like that, you know, it was really fantastic. But it was also like surrounded by a lot of people that were pretending maybe who they uh, pretending like they were something that they weren't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think a lot of people can sort of see ab- about that area of the world. There's a lot of great, authentic, amazing people that we met, but mm-hmm. also it was just this sort of vortex of trying to fake it till we made it. Cause yeah. we didn't belong there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from Barry and I'm living in the Hollywood <laughs> Hills and like going to these crazy events and stuff and hosting these crazy events. So some of that was imposter syndrome, but also some of it was like, you know, I- I'd rather be, you know, in a smaller town, I'd rather be, you know, yeah. on a ranch or, you know, somewhere yeah. like off the beaten path, like focusing on myself and, and trying mm-hmm. to find, you know, more fulfillment within than externally, because it's easy to get caught up in external validation. It um, feels good. It's yeah. fun. It's immediate. Yeah. Well, cause I, I remember that, I remember that party cause, uh, or that networking event rather, cause you guys, uh, did a nice little video on it. Mm-hmm. Right. You had a whole bunch of people there, but I actually, I noticed that as well, that kind of after that, um, maybe episode if we could call it in your life you started to like travel everywhere i was kind of following you you were on a plane almost every other day yeah so how important was that for you uh well so some of that spun out of like we we were starting to get invited to speak at conferences and be at all these different events so like some of that travel spawned out of that but you know i really pulled back from there and i traveled after university i went to europe for six months and like just missed traveling went to malaysia and that was like amazing so i was like well we had intentions of opening up the Beard Club in the UK, and I just wanted to start traveling more. Went to Hawaii, spent some time there, and at that point, um, could work basically from my phone, from my computer. I wanted to pull back from sort of like the city life, and it started as like a six-week, no, it was a three-month sort of road trip, a bunch of time back yeah. here in Canada because I had a wedding to go to and wanted to spend time with my family, and things just sort of like snowballed from one thing to the other, and I was on my way back to California. Uh, four months later and then very suddenly my father got sick and passed away Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people share this sort of why like you know find your why for doing stuff and mine from sort of the get-go was like the motivation was to retire my parents I was like I just want to give them amazing things give back to them as much as possible and then when all of a sudden like you sort of fail your mission or you just fall short of that your your mission ceases to exist at least 50 percent of it you're like well why am I doing all this? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I decided not to go back to California, stayed, uh, you know, for another four months after my dad passed away in Canada. Yeah. And then, you know, just wanted to go to Hawaii. And so like at this time though, like I started to realize that I actually wasn't really happy in, you know, the business partnership I had. And now fortunately, Chris and I have a good friendship, but our business partnership became quite toxic. We had different yeah. visions for the direction of the business. And when that happens, you're going in different directions uh, it's really hard to keep it together and for mm-hmm. both people to be happy when there's concessions that always have to be made. Um, so I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm sticking in in this business for, for money. And also, people like yourself are like, dude, you're so successful. You're doing yeah. well. I'm like, man, that feels good. Like, this is the first time in my life that I've ever heard, you know, like, you're successful. You're awesome. Like, you're doing yeah. well. Like, you know, just all this validation. I realized that that was my identity. Right. And then I wasn't actually I uh, was no longer happy working day to day in the beard club. And I wasn't, you know, giving all of my honest effort yep. and I wasn't getting from it. I wasn't developing enough. 
And so I started to pull back and eventually, you know, Chris and I had a conversation. I was like, you know, I, I don't, I can't do this anymore. I want to start doing more like advisory work. Like I had been asked to do, been asked to speak. Um, and so I was able to do that from any location and that just sort of spawn this next chapter of my life of, of self-discovery and, and going back to the drawing board, I'm going like, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, like if I'm not, if I'm not a contractor, if I'm not a bartender, if I'm not a musician, if I'm not a beard club owner, like if I'm not the beard guy, yeah. like who am I? Mm-hmm. You know? And then so that would kind of lead you into, I guess, working for yourself. I mean, what, what was it? Subscription acts? What was it? Subscription? Yeah. So the first sort of reaction that I had when I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do? I was like, well, let's document what I've done. And so I started to write out all these things that I learned about the e-commerce journey. And, uh, cause people were always asking me and, um, I was doing some consulting, but I knew it wasn't scalable. One hour of my time, you know, was paid for. And, and like, that was cool, but I wanted to help more people. So I was like, maybe I'll create an online course. Yeah. And so I sort of did a brain dump. I filmed a bunch of videos and got to the end of that process. And lo and behold, you know, I'm in a whole new industry. I have no idea how to sell an online course. I'm like, oh, well, now I have to do all the stuff that I don't want to do, which is like all this copywriting and landing pages and stuff. And I also looked at what was out there. Um, There's a lot of people selling online courses, excuse me, that... um, I think are just sort of selling like a lifestyle instead of like actual like process, which re- mm-hmm. is required to build a business. Like, right. Hey, start an online business and you can have this Ferrari behind me. Um, and that's definitely, I think like a bit of a scourge right now that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, so I wanted to be different than that. So I took a step back and we had done, um, a venture capital backed accelerator program for beard club, mm-hmm. uh, by 500 startups. And so they, it was like a month-long program where they brought in all these mentors. And I was like, well, I have this, like, from going to all these events, like, the thing that I know that I'm really good at is connecting people. It's, like, mm-hmm. one thing I love. I haven't figured out how to deeply monetize it yet. Yeah. But, I, like, I love connecting people, right? And I'm a natural-born person who does that. So I took eight companies, uh, this is last fall, and brought them through, like, a structured curriculum with um, 12 different experts, myself. And so we looked at all these different really like fundamental areas of building an e-commerce business, not just like acquiring customers, which mm-hmm. is what all the other training out there is on. It's important that you make sales, but like this is like structures like, you know, finance, systems, uh, operating procedures, um, you know, manufacturing, like the, the core fundamentals yeah. of business. Um, and that went really well. And then I discovered that there was also like sort of a core sort of skills gap and knowledge gap in all these companies so right now the 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 program that i've actually just launched it took me the last four four months to build which a huge flaw i have is trying to make things perfect Perfect. instead of just like setting them out there so um i've created like a knowledge base where here are all the basic things you need to know for e-commerce um and then inside of a facebook group we do weekly events with all these like 50 amazing experts uh from across the world uh, that i've met at all these different events uh, where we do live trainings, and then it's sort of like one-on-one group coaching uh, combined yeah. where people can ask questions, get answers. And so I'm sort of testing out this model of, you know, how to take uh, in, an e-commerce entrepreneur that can come in, they can access, like, here's all the fundamental knowledge that yeah. you need, and then also here's, like, some direct access to myself, to other people who have already done it. Which is huge. all of your struggles. Huge. And ironically, I think it's, uh, it's interesting because... Um, 
I sort of talk about here are all like, here's the big picture that you need to understand for an e-commerce business. Um, and people tend to get overwhelmed and they're like, well, I don't want to take the time to learn what the big picture looks like. Yeah. You know, I know what I need to do. And when you don't take the time to look at what the big picture, and I think this is true for any business, not just e-commerce, when you don't take the time to look at the big picture and understand it, then you don't know how to put the right hats on the right people, mm -hmm. right? And you end up dropping one of those balls and then you have to go pick it up, right? So now all of a sudden you're doing the stuff that you, like me, when I first started to launch an online course, I didn't know I had to do all these things. Yeah. I wasn't taking anyone's advice. And then I was like, oh, now I have to go do all these things myself. Mm -hmm. And I should have just taken a step back. That's right. Figured out how to do it a little better. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to take our last break, and then we're going to dive into another mutual uh, friendship that we have. And uh, we'll be right back. At Benjamin Law, we understand the real cost of personal injuries. As the victim of an accident, you may be the one who's physically hurt. But your main concern is that your family are the ones who will pay the price. Benjamin Law will be there for you, helping, supporting, and working tirelessly to resolve your personal injury case. Call 1-855-899-4878 or visit BenjaminLaw.ca and let our family of lawyers help your family. At Benjamin Law, we understand the real cost of personal injuries. As the victim of an accident, you may be the one who's physically hurt, but your main concern is that your family are the ones who will pay the price. Benjamin Law will be there for you, helping, supporting, and working tirelessly to resolve your personal injury case. Call 1-855-899-4878 or visit BenjaminLaw.ca and let our family of lawyers help your family. Okay, we're back. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, just kind of during the break, we're 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 talking about um, like because because that's a really big space to jump into, right? You've got Infusionsoft, uh, Click Funnels, Funnel Hacks, and things like that. Um, I, what was your direction and what you were your goal was um, with your company? Um, that, I mean, that's a really good question, and it's certainly a confusing space. And like we we're saying, like you know, there's there's a lot of um, sort of snake oil in, in like the coaching industry. I think a lot of people mean well. Yeah. But there's more people, I think, offering services to coaches or offering marketing services to marketers than there are like, you know, the very bottom of like the end customer, right? So yep. it becomes very confusing of like what actually works and what actually doesn't. My objective with this new business was that like, you know, my, my highest degree of skill and my highest excitement isn't creating funnels and, mm -hmm. and doing that stuff, right? I, I didn't want to, I knew that I had to wear that hat and you, you do in every business, you have to yeah. wear multiple hats, right? Until you can get them off, <clears throat> excuse me. But I didn't want to be caught doing all the stuff that I didn't want to do because then I knew I would be miserable when I was doing the stuff that I'd set out to do yeah. and the stuff that I'm really gifted at, which is you know helping people get linked with the right information and the right connections in order to, to really move the needle in their business. So. I knew I needed to find like a strategic partner. So I have a partner now that, you know, we, we split the revenue on everything that's coming in yeah. and they take care of all the sales funnels, all the copywriting, um, basically that whole side of the business. So I could have tried to manage all these different individual pieces more mm -hmm. myself and probably could have had a bigger percentage, but I'd rather get their 
you know, with, with less effort in areas that I'm not designed to, to do. And to I don't do. have the yeah. desire to learn. Right. I'd rather be like, I'd rather give somebody an extra 15% of my business so I can go play guitar or start yeah. a family, which I hope to someday like right. yourself. Right. So I kind of went through that prioritization battle, but the, the difficulty also is finding the right partner, right? Because in, in whether it's, in any service-based business, I think that people always mean the best. I think that there's very few people out there that are actually true shysters. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, in business, you kind of have to promise something and sometimes figure out how to deliver it after. Right. Um, but unfortunately, that means that people end up getting burned, right? So you mm-hmm. have to try and figure out who you can trust and, and going through referrals and understanding really who's the best to work with. And, you know, it's not always a fit. And I've yeah. certainly gotten burned many times in my career to, you know, clubs have gotten burned every business has gotten burned but of course. You know, millions of dollars have been lost and and left on the table uh in my career alone and um yeah it's it's tough to to be able to trust it's sort of like when you're in a relationship or like you, you maybe you've been in a bad relationship like a personal relationship and you're like oh well, i don't want to date anymore because i just got burned real bad yeah but you have to and you know in order to, to, to really move on you have to kind of put of that course. behind you and figure out the pathway to trust again mm-hmm and, and, but I like, I like, I think I know where your, your head is at is, and it's the same in the real estate business where when, when companies become too transactional based, they kind of lose the spirit of what they were kind of set out to do in the first base, uh, place. So kind of like what you said, where nobody sets up their business, uh, to be shysters, um, but I, th- I think where you, where most people lack fulfillment is where, you know, when they're just doing all those things on a transactional basis. So essentially they're just selling a coaching program. Okay, this is, you know, maybe it's a small little ebook, maybe it's a little webinar or something, and then there you go. And then if you spend more money, you'll get basically the same thing, but in a larger format. Mm-hmm. In where you're not really working with the person to develop a plan see it through and really get that fulfillment of creating something special. Yeah. And I think that that can, that can be related to a number of things. Part of it's maybe disconnect from whether you're actually really passionate about that and that's yeah. what you really want to do, or, or you see it more as a means to an end in a job. Um, uh, but it's also, yeah, it's a, it's a byproduct of, of not being willing to let go of certain things in your business sometimes mm-hmm. and sort of outsource those to the right people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to to balance a business, especially when you care about it um, and think that it's something you want to do with all those things that you don't want to do that mm-hmm. inevitably come in. I was actually just listening to, have you ever heard of Paul Check? No, I don't think I have. He has a fantastic podcast, not to draw attention away from this one, but <laughs> no, it's um, good. I love he's it. just an amazing like you know life coach, health coach extraordinaire, and I was just listening to one of his podcasts on um, career development, and he talks about the difference between you know job, um, a career, a vocation, and a legacy, and sort of like building up to that. And, you know, he's lived this fantastic life. He is a teacher to thousands of people on like many different levels. And uh, he talks about like all the really crappy jobs he had to do early on that then, you know, eventually you look back and there's this golden thread that like loops it all back together. Right. So I think in business, you're, you're always struggling with, you know, hey, am I on the right path? Is this going to work? Am I going to mm-hmm. fail? Like, is this worth all my time versus like, you know, just, do do things like with the best intention at mind like always treat your customers well that is the lifeblood of any any business whatsoever and just keep going until the path becomes clear and you know you hit the nail on the head too about sort of like delivering on your promise and and customers becoming like 
I guess, sort of removed from the equation, mm -hmm. which in this area of you know social media and stuff, and we're reaching eventually thousands of people here uh, when people watch it or listen to yeah. it, um, which is really cool, but I'm not personally seeing them, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's easy to disconnect from that. And certainly uh, yeah, when you absolutely. talk about media buying and marketing, this was you know, definitely present before social media as well when we talk about media buying. But if you're dealing, if your customers aren't just a handful of people, like, you know, it might be different from for real estate versus, you know, selling a thousand beard boxes a day, right? Mm -hmm. You become pretty disconnected from what you're actually doing, the effect that your lives are having on your customers. Right. But one of the things that I always advise people when they're trying to build a stronger brand um, is to, they have to like really reconnect with why they're doing it. Because that's the essence of any good brand is like, why are you? And to do that, you have to talk to the people that, that really like you and really don't like you. Mm -hmm. And you start to get this roadmap of like, you know, these experiences people have are like, hey, you know, I really loved buying a house from you, Andrew, because like the process was amazing. And, you know, we just felt like so at home and so secure. Yeah. And like, you know, now we have our dream home and it's amazing. And we want to tell all of our friends about it. And you might have that conversation. You're like, yeah, that's why I'm answering my phone at yeah. 11 p.m. That's why I'm doing this. And then you go and, and apply that to your next video, mm -hmm. which is your brand. And you're like the next thing you come out with. And it's so much stronger and so much clearer. So rekindling that connection is one of the most important things, I think, if you have a business, especially that's very impersonal in nature that serves a lot of people. Right. No, that, that makes that makes total sense. Because, and, and you know what? There are still those larger teams in the real estate space where they the, the people who own the team, they're not seeing any of the clients. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you, you hear, well, oh, how's your experience with you know XYZ? Oh, well, you know what? One person came, I think it might have been his assistant, and he really never answered his phone or his emails or anything like that. And then not only that, but it, it affects us all. So it's the same thing. And I'll be completely honest with you. I don't buy a lot of things online. I really don't. Mm -hmm. And it's mainly because, okay, I bought this. It showed up five months late. It was damaged. It was broken. I couldn't get a hold of the company. But it, and it, it, it's just... The, it's that 5% jerk factor that kind of ruins it for everybody. But when you have guys like you who are in, you know, investing in their clients and really showing that uh, the good side of the business, it, it really helps. Um, are you, we, oh, I, was, I brought up a mutual friend. So are, are you still with, I think it's AdBank? Is that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you meet Angelo? He's a good friend of mine, Angelo and Kelsey. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to remember how I got introduced to Angelo. It's I just, think, oh, it was actually LinkedIn. So yeah. what happened was, um, like, Kelsey had messaged me on LinkedIn a while back and was like, hey, like, I just wanted to let you know that I love your Beard Club video and, like, my friends and I loved it and it was just, like, really awesome videos and, like, love the, the way you market your brand. And yeah. I was like, anytime anyone compliments us on our videos, it's kind of cool because it's marketing, right? Of like, course. How often do you, like, call up a company and you're like, hey, I really like that advertisement <laughs> you just put in front of me. So it's a huge compliment. <laughs> And I hadn't talked to her or like, I didn't even know Angela at this point. I hadn't talked to her in, in years. And I saw the ad bank video came out and it was sort of similar sort of vibe yeah, and feel when that. it first came out to Beard Club and it just popped to my feet. And so I shot her a message. I was like, well, now it's my time to pay you a compliment. I think you guys did a great job and it looks like a really cool business. I didn't yeah. know anything about cryptocurrency at this point or, or blockchain or anything. And, um, she was like, oh, thank you so much. Actually, like I've been meaning to message you. Like, yeah. can we meet up? Like I wanted to ask you like, pick your brain and you know buy you lunch or something and i was like cool yeah whatever i happen to be back in canada 
And so she she's like, is it cool if I bring Angelo? I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we met at Ripe Juicery in Barrie, which is awesome. If you're ever in Barrie, go to Ripe Juicery. It's a Sounds great good. place. Um, so she brought like the whole team. So there's like six of them that showed up. I was like, <laughs> what is this? And they just sort of like explained everything they were doing with the business and like, I was still super new to like I'd heard of cryptocurrency and blockchain, yeah. but I didn't really wrap my head around like what the technology and the platform um, of blockchain really represented and and what it can do for various industries and decentralizing and stuff. So yeah. that was the start of a cool relationship. And Angelo and Kelsey are absolutely awesome levels too. Yeah, you know what? I've known them for years, and they're two very very intelligent people. Um, we went to we went to Taylor Swift together when she was in town last right? year. It was great. Yeah, yeah. did you get an, yeah. another selfie? Didn't get another selfie this no. time. No. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Alex, thank you so much for um, for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. Um, it's plug time. So, is there anything that you know you you want to put out there? You know, do you want to drive people anywhere to your space to your Facebook pages? Um, if you want to check out, if you're interested in e-commerce or you want to hear more from me, check out e-commerce rockstars on social media, or you can go to e-commercerockstars.co. I've got a, a show where I just interview and talk to people. It's definitely not high production like this yet. <laughs> I need some more higher production stuff. Um, but I just sort of get the stories of similar people who've done even cooler things than I have that have built cooler brands that are really humble and yeah. building, you know, really cool things. So I kind of tell their stories and if you want to follow that journey, I'd appreciate a couple extra likes and follow us. Great. Okay. Starting from the bottom, you know, <laughs> all over again. The six. Well, we're here now, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, guys, thank you so much. Take care. Take care.